When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And then, boom, boom. That's excellent, man. Come on. We're going to do it. Thank you, Cohen. We're going. We're going. We're going. We're going. Welcome in to Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. 60 years, all right? Time to get uh, the show on the road here. And the man that's going to oversee that process starting this season, his first year as an NFL head coach, Kevin O'Connell, joins Purple Daily for the first time. We feel like... You weren't fully committed to the skull chant on that McAfee. He kind of he kind of ambushed you with the skull chant there on that McAfee show appearance. Yeah, the McAfee show comes at you quick there. When, uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're sitting in the office and and uh, jumping on with him. You cover a lot in a short amount of time, but um, you never know where it's going to go. But I'll tell you what, he heck of a uh, career he's gotten himself Woo. going. Yeah, he got um, he got the, and he got the bag. Yeah, it is a fun show, and and it feels like he. Uh, you know, supports our supports our team and what we got going on. So uh, we're all for it. So what, as, as far as th- things go now, how um, excited are, are you? And I guess the word would be eager to get the, the season started too, because like you got hired in what, January, February or so, and then you've got all of this time to plan, right? And you're mapping things out and you have not played a game yet. So just how flat out excited are you to actually uh kick off September 11th against the Packers. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it, it, you know, it feels like uh, in your mind when you get hired, it feels like there's a lot of time, but then you actually get, you know, get going on the ground. You're hiring coaches, you're solidifying things with Quasi there, you know, with both of our staffs, um, the free agency process begins, the draft process begins. You're also building playbooks on both sides of the ball. Um, there's very few days where you feel like, you know, we, we've got a ton of time and I, I, I just, I, I feel bored with what's going on. There's very few days like that. So, um, I will say it'll be great to start, uh, really moving towards, uh, kind of through the competitive phase of training camp. We got a lot of things to figure out as a football team. Um, we know how we want to play. We've introduced, uh, you know, the phases of our offense, defense, and special teams. Now we get to allow our guys uh, who hopefully feel comfortable with those things to go compete through training camp. And then ultimately uh, everybody knows we're in the corner of the room where 
uh, that thing's counting down to September 11th when we get an opportunity to play uh, our one of our division rivals there at home in front of our great fans. So definitely something that, uh, you know, uh, we're excited for. We got a lot of work to do uh, before that uh, that afternoon comes. What time do you get up in the morning, Kevin? It's funny. I, you know, before I started working with Sean uh, McVeigh in L.A., I really wasn't that early of a guy, you know, 630, 6 o'clock getting in. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously I, I, I learned over the two years in, in uh, L.A., there'd be some mornings getting up at 4, you know, 415 that uh, I'd already have a text message from Sean. <laughs> you know, asking me what I was going to have for lunch that day. So uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, I, I've started to get up early. I feel like it's the best time of the day to work and, and really get things done individually uh, so that when the rest of the staff and a lot of the players start coming in, um, those guys absolutely feel like I'm available. I want those guys to feel in kind of that open door cliche, open door policy. I want that to exist for our team and our players and, and our coaches. So uh, that requires me a lot of times to get up and, and get rolling, which I don't mind because uh, my kids will get me up anyway, not too <laughs> long after that. So yeah, it's probably tough to set an example if you're rolling out of bed at like you know nine fifteen and other people are. In the, I feel like as a head coach, you know, they always used to say about Peyton Manning back in the day too that he felt an obligation, whether he was actually using his tablet or not, to be in the breakfast room at like five thirty when other guys walk in, just just to to set the the tone for everybody. Yeah, I I, I can tell you it's. Uh, it's as much to to just be excited and be ready to roll every single day as it is. I really need the time. You know, I need the time in the morning to really, uh, especially with the role that I have, uh, being heavily, heavily involved with the offense, obviously, uh, but then really wanting to be involved in the other phases of our team and, and have a direct, you know, uh, hand in that and, and, and getting with Ed and getting with Matt Daniels and, and, and really just uh, year one, making sure things are, uh, you know, being built kind of organically the way we want and, and, and the vision that I have for our team that hopefully our, our coaches have now uh, really learned from me and, and, and are helping present that to the players on a daily basis. It's, you know, you, you, you just want to make sure that uh, things are dialed in year one so that you can hit the ground running every single day and, and make sure you're, uh, you know, the players are getting a lot out of that offseason program because we did have such buy-in. We had almost 100% attendance you know, outside of a few guys here and there, which in this day and age in the NFL, uh, I know it was year one and, and things feel new to these guys. So maybe they want to be a part of it. But uh, I was super, super, uh, you know, gracious and thankful for our leadership leading the way they did. And then ultimately our entire roster showing up every single day, working the way they did. Hey, in, in your mind, how much of this offense, um, when you, you've, I'm sure, went back and watched pretty quickly all the film from the past year, how much, Kevin, is there to unlock here? So like like when you see the possibilities of, I don't know, Delvin and Justin Jefferson and really a litany of skill position guys who are really, really good, how much do you see that, that there is now an opportunity to really take some steps for, forward that previously this franchise probably did not offensively? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, you know, the talent at, you know, the different skill positions jumps out at you. Um, I think, uh, you know, our receiving core, our running back group, uh, those two positions that uh, have, have, you know, you kind of know about those guys coming here. You, you have a lot of crossover tape. You see them over the years. But then you get on the grass with them and you actually start physically seeing the way they work, their skill sets. You know, when you watch Dalvin Cook practice, there's no, there's no day where, 
Um, he's not going 100% out there. He's not leading the charge. He's one of our, our true leaders of our football team when we're on the grass. And, and, and I think that's because the guys see him, uh, they see him loving football the way he does getting out there and leading, leading our group. And, um, it's, it's been really cool to see that receiver group kind of different groups with the, the type of players in those groups, but those two groups kind of assume, assume some leadership on our offense. Uh, you know, our quarterback room's done a great job really leading the charge of, of kind of pushing our systems forward and, and kind of learning in a way that allows them to be teachers on the, on the field as well. And then our offensive line tight end groups have done a great job as well. But to answer your question, I, I just look at it from a standpoint of a, a group that was, you know, really successful moving the football. Um, the guys making a lot of plays, a lot of production around that offense. How do we continue to build uh, our offensive system uh, to do what our players do best and, and, and to help our quarterback play at a really high level and, and, and to take as much pressure off of him and, and our offensive line as we can by, by using our tools and, and the different things that we do in our system to maybe enhance uh, any advantages we can find uh, because it's hard. It's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to consistently move the football against the great defensive coaches and players and si- systems in our league. Uh, so we got to use the the tools and, and and the advantages that we can create uh, as coaches and and as an offensive system to pair that with ultimately the really great players that we do have and and put them in position to have success. So Kevin, you said something six months ago. I think it was in your introductory press conference, and you you used the phrase you know play with a quiet mind to discuss yep. you know what's the next step for for Cousins. And full disclosure, we've been we've been pretty darn critical of cousins over the years just on this show. And I think, I think, and this is probably a three hour thing to unpack at some point, but he is excellent when conditions are perfect, when he has time. I mean, all, all of the analytics would tell you, I'm sure the eye test, I mean, obviously you've worked with him closely when conditions are perfect. He can dissect defenses. I think our criticism has been, well, you're not going to be able to simulate perfect conditions in a three hour NFL football game or playoffs against the best teams. And and things start to break down a little bit. If that's an unfair characterization, you know, slap me upside the head right now. But when you say you know getting a quarterback to play with a quiet mind, what does that mean for you? And and are there examples that you've seen in the past with either Kirk or other quarterbacks that said that's what it looks like? Third and eight, fourth quarter, great defense to be quiet minded in the midst of chaos. Yeah, and I, I think the the big thing to understand is you're never going to create that. Uh, for any quarterback in this league. And that's what makes that position the hardest position in sports is, you know, when the game is on the line, ultimately the things that uh, we can control as coaches, we can control, uh, you know, so many things, but we cannot control, you know, those critical got to have it moments, which really do separate uh, a lot of players uh, at that position in this league. It's uh, that's, that is the truth. There's no arguing that, but what I do think we can do, um, I think we can put together a system uh, where we continuously try to give him answers and give him answers to uh, the different things he may see, but also uh, make his job as simple as possible from a standpoint of let's not uh, re- call a bunch of plays that require him to uh, you know, decipher different coverages to know where he starts his progressions. Let's let's call plays that have answers versus everything built in uh, to pure progressions. Let's give him protection to where, you know, we feel great about our protection system so he we can limit the damage, limit the impact of 
of him being hit throughout a football game that might have an effect on that next snap. Uh, maybe it's using the different variations of marrying the run and the pass on early downs with your screens, uh, with your play action pass, with your uh, movement game to make those plays, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, people talk about jump shooters in the NBA being catch and shoot uh, guys, you know, Hey, let's get Steph Curry, some open threes, catch and shoot. He's going to knock down a high percentage of those uh, quarterbacks, in my opinion, in the NFL uh, on those early downs, that's what we should try to do. We should try to create plays uh, where they can be catch and shoot type shooters where, Hey, number one's going to be open a lot of the time. How are we going to do that by schematically attacking what we're playing against, but by also making sure that when we are actually running those plays, calling those plays, pairing them with other plays that Kirk can get us to at the line of scrimmage, we take over the advantage our way. We call it a premier, premier mentality. We're going to run the premier plays we want to run versus those premier looks. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I hired Ed and, and, and brought that defensive staff and that system here is because our defense doesn't allow quarterbacks to do that a whole lot with how they play, how they disguise, how they do different things, uh, and vice versa. We want to try to unlock those things uh, for our quarterback uh, and our, really our whole offense, how we run routes, whether it's man, zone, matches, fire zones, all the different things that come across, uh, you know, your way nowadays as an offensive system. Ultimately, guys, what I'm saying is we want to run the plays that we feel give us uh, tilt the scales in our advantage for our players long before their skill sets ever become involved. And then, oh, by the way, we feel like we've got good players. So when when we do those two things, you combine those things more oftentimes than not, you're going to have a really, really good chance to have success, not only on that play, but that drive. And then hopefully four quarters of football playing complimentary in, in all three phases. And Judd, Kevin said fire zone, so we have yeah, to hit him with the football, football sounder here. That's right. The fire zone's great, yes. by the way. I, I love it. So on, on the, that note, too, the one thing with Kirk is, and, and I find that your experience uh, in 2021 with, with the Rams is intriguing because Stafford showed up there. You guys clearly had great success there. But the one thing that he did was he threw a bunch of picks. And I think people looked at that and said, well, what's Stafford? That's typical. I looked at that and said, there there has to be some, and I'm not saying that you condone picks, but there has to be some ability to turn a guy loose to make a play. And it's going to work a lot of times, Kevin, but sometimes it's not. Kirk um, is as risk adverse or has been so far as they come. How do you turn him loose to say, trust me, it might not always work, but the the majority of the time it will, and you've got the arm? Because that's the one thing with Kirk. There's never been a debate about that arm. That arm's really good. That you've got the ability more times than not to be successful on this play, and it might get picked off at times, but that's not going to derail us from making significant plays. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure we're sitting here talking – uh, you know, right now about me being, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl champion team a year ago, um, unless Matthew Stafford, you know, pulls the trigger and, and makes some throws throughout that playoff run um, that defined our season and really did. And, uh, you know, I've talked a lot to our team, you know, initially about this, but we didn't win a game in the month of November. And, and that was a, a team that, uh, we won a lot of football games. We won nine out of our last 10 and won a Super Bowl, but we did not win a game in the month of November. We lost three games and we had our bye. So we go 32 days, I think it was, wow. without a win. In most NFL seasons, that's enough uh, to bury 
any and all positive feelings, morale that might help you feel good going into a game that particular week. Uh, but that did not happen uh, because we were able to kind of assess uh, a couple things. A, we had an unbelievable culture built in that building. But the, the second part of that was we were turning the football over and our quarterback was turning the football over. Um, and there were some times where we were able to find that balance moving forward from there where Matthew was one of the best playmakers uh, you know, at the quarterback position, creating explosives in the National Football League last year with his arm talent and his ability. But we were also able to, to kind of situationally manage the game a little bit and understand that not every snap is its own is, is the same. Uh, treat each one as its own entity and continue uh, to just uh, you know preach the consistency of him doing his job and the plays coming through, uh, coming to fruition from that. Uh, but make no mistake about it, guys, you said it. I mean, there's going to be times where you've got to trust Justin Jefferson to go get the football in a contested situation. Adam Thielen, Irv, uh, you, you got to hang in there. One thing I've never questioned about Kirk is his ability to hang tough in a pocket with his eyes up downfield. Uh, and, and with that, if we can pair that, that toughness, that, that pocket, uh, you know, trust that he has, um, and, and build separation through our scheme. Obviously, our receivers are going to get separation with the way they run routes and their ability. Uh, but if we can do it in the rhythm and timing, uh, and that's coaching, in my opinion, building schemes, creating space, uh, you know, limiting the conflict for the quarterback when we can. But ultimately, uh, we're not going to be able to avoid those critical downs where I expect, Kirk, uh, when it's all said and done this year, to stand in there, um, have an extreme comfort and ownership of our offense, um, and, and ultimately make those plays to help us win football games. Hey, Kevin, just last minute or two here because we want to be res- respectful of your time and uh, you know, give you some time to kick your feet up at least for five minutes in the month of July here. But how do you – this might be kind of a dumb question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it rip anyway. There's no such thing, man. Only dumb people <laughs> sure like me that, that ask questions. Yeah. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm going to ask an eloquently stated but somewhat dumb question here. I've always wondered – so many games are decided – End game strategy, end of half strategy, timeout management. I mean, you have to, and now you got, you know, teams that have sort of like clock management assistance and stuff. There's so much that goes into the game theory part of it that I think, quite frankly, a lot, a lot of teams in college and the pros drop the ball in that area, probably because they spend so much time on the other stuff. How do you balance? And, you know, 90% of the league has a play caller at head coach and you're going to be one of them. How do you balance calling plays and being immersed in that world? with the 30,000-foot vision and strategy of all the other things that, that goes into winning or losing football games? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And I, I think it's probably one of the, the areas that I've put um, a ton of time uh, kind of in those you know, early morning hours or uh, just on my own, really, it really manifesting in my mind how I see things playing out from a standpoint of our preparation. Uh, to me, it starts with figuring out as a staff every single week what it's going to take to win the football game. You know, what does that mean? Uh, you may be playing a, a great quarterback. You may be playing a team that runs the ball well and controls the clock. You may be playing a defense that's a bend but not break defense that, you know, their whole goal is to let you move it but keep you out of the end zone. You may be playing a team with a young quarterback and and they're going to try to protect him. Well, let's talk about it as a staff first and foremost and decide how we want to play the football game to give ourselves uh, the best possible chance to win the game. And I think so much of it goes into what can we make sure we don't do that will uh, 
uh, enhance our chances of winning, meaning a lot of teams in our league, they lose games before they ever give themselves a chance to win them by the self-inflicted wounds, uh, by the, the things long before the situational stuff comes up. Uh, so that's one thing. Decide what it's going to take to win the game in all three phases, and then make sure your team knows that every single week. And it's clear, it's open, it's honest. This is what it's going to take. And then you can evaluate it very easily after a game if it doesn't go your way. Well, we said we had to do this, this, and this, and we didn't do any of them. We lost the football game. So that's one thing. But then I think it's very important to have that person. And I actually have a couple. Uh, Mike Pettin's here as my assistant head coach because he's a former head coach, uh, but because he's had to make some of those decisions from the other side. A defensive head coach, play caller, uh, when I worked for him in Cleveland, and he had to manage the game. Maybe different than I will, which is okay, but having that influence will be huge. And then I hired a, a guy named Ryan Cordell, uh, who I worked with in San Francisco. He's been in Cleveland. Uh, both Quasi and myself have a, a great relationship with him. Uh, but he's one of the smartest, uh, you know, younger coaches in our league, does an unbelievable job really laying out a lot of those situations, the analytics paired with, uh, you know, understanding that uh, my philosophy that I learned from the first coach I ever played for in the NFL, uh, Bill Belichick, of every every game, every week, uh, the football team, we, we must reinvent ourselves in whatever way we need to to give ourselves the best possible chance to win. So what does that mean? Uh, that means we're going to have situational meetings where we talk, hey, this is a different game. We're playing, you know, we're playing the Green Bay Packers. We know what that means about giving that quarterback and that offense maybe a couple extra, uh, you know, chances in that game. Or can we limit that by how we situationally decide to play the end of the first half uh, the, the end of uh, the beginning of the, the, the second half, I call it that middle eight. I think it's the most important eight minutes in a game, um, that ultimately leads into what everybody talks about the end of the fourth quarter, uh, on Monday morning. But what happened during those other times that we ultimately can control, um, on our terms to give ourselves the best possible chance to have greater, you know, a greater chance of success in that final two or three minutes. So I know that's a lot. Hopefully I know I'm babbling on about it, but it's something I'm passionate about. And I do think it's going to have a huge impact on year one on our football, you know, and my ability to lead, but also rely on some really smart people. And then it ultimately empower our players uh, to, to play with that quieted mind we talk about in those moments, because that's really what it's all about. End of the first half in this town after 2021. Very important, Kevin. I'm sure you've yeah, seen the stats. The, the end of the first half was not good to the 2021 Vikings. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's situationally for a team that didn't turn the football over a lot. You know, that's, that's one of my goals is to, yeah. you know, try to be uh, as positive as we can be from day one, but also really challenge our team folks coming out to training camp. Um, we we'll hope to see a lot of our great fans out there, but they will see uh, we'll be working a ton of situations um, to prepare our team and, and build those guys' inventory of how to handle those situations. Awesome. Kevin O'Connell, new head coach of Football. the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, Kevin and I were born five days apart in May of 1985. It just shows you just what a hotbed May 1985 was for oh, wow. people at the top of their fields, Phil Mackey and Kevin O'Connell. Uh-huh. Yes, two titans of their industry. Got him, my right old. Here. Stop. Yep. Nineteen sixty nine. Twentieth or are you the thirtieth? I'm the twentieth. I'm I'm a I'm I'm your I'm your elder by five days. Yeah. There you go. Well, uh, 
I may I may call upon you to rely on that uh, five days of experience at some point. Yeah, listen, if you need any if you need any advice, any thoughts on uh, structuring things here, you know, I've got plenty of takes for you. So just let us know. Thanks, Kevin. There you go. Yeah, appreciate right, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks man. Kevin yeah. O'Connell, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, making his first appearance on the show. Presented by our friends at TCL. Uh, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. Uh, you can go to TCL.com to find a full slate of all the products, including the new TCL 30V 5G smartphone. TCL.com. Um, that was fun. Good having the, the ball coach on the show here for the first time. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more at this point um, into doing, into talking to us than, say, Zim might have been going into training camp last season. <laughs> Just a little bit. We, we never had Zim on Purple no. Daily, but we had Zim on Mackie and Judd. The radio version. Did we? A couple times, or did we not? I don't remember that. Not? I, guess I had less on, on back Patrick in the Roycey day, but I don't, yeah, I think Royce had him on. I don't think we had him on. I mean, I don't think we missed a lot, but I don't think we had him on. No, I don't, he just wasn't. Uh, Ke- Kevin, I think what I love about Kevin so far, maybe this will change in three years when sure. he's grizzled and, you know, looks like Andy Reid. <laughs> I feel like all coaches, well, lately not. coaches have been staying in shape, yeah. so maybe he can yeah. stay in shape too. You're but right. um, he seems very willing. He's not going to give you the whole playbook, but like he seems very willing to just elaborate on his philosophies, and he just kind of loves talking football. You know, just picks the ball up and goes with it. I think it's interesting to hear him talk about Kirk because he clearly feels that there's far more there. Like, there's no question about yeah. that. True or not, he feels that that there is a that there is a depth that has not been explored yet. And look. He's got to be so excited. I mean, you got Jefferson, Thielen, um, Irv Smith Jr., assuming he stays healthy, Dalvin Cook. Like, when you look at the components around Kirk, you have a plethora of guys that can make big plays. Yeah, he's in a, a really interesting spot because he ultimately w- you know, probably helped sign off on giving Kirk a two-year contract extension, right? Like, if he comes in and adamantly says, guys, I've worked with him before, yep. no, no. I mean, well, then they might not hire him in the first place, but like he obviously signed off on, yeah, let's make this work. But he's trying to balance saying, yes, there's more there and we need more without throwing him under the bus. He's trying to pump his tires publicly and behind the scenes while also acknowledging, yeah, there's this offense should probably be better. And Kirk, there's probably some things that Kirk needs to get better at, you know, playing with a quiet mind. So Dex, what were your impressions? Uh, incredibly smart dude. Uh, you can tell why the Vikings hired the guy and you can tell why I think there's a clear connection between him and Kirk Cousins. Um, yes, to the point that he knows there probably is something more, but they also kind of speak in the same language in in the terms of not being risk averse and also not shipwrecking games, but also acknowledging the fact that Matthew Stafford, to his credit in the playoffs, saved their season, defined their season, right? With a, with a certain selection of throws and, I, I totally forgot, too, and I'm just looking at their pro football reference page right now. I forgot, yeah, they didn't win a game for a month. Yeah, I don't remember that. And, That's and crazy. Yeah. I remember they started off hot, and yeah, they hit a wall, but I didn't know they went to what KOC said, I think 35 days without a single win, in which, which mathematically, yeah. I got to imagine, that typically means if you go 35 days in the NFL during the regular season of not winning a game, your odds of making the playoffs have to be pretty slim to none. And, yeah. and they yeah. were still able to overcome that. And culturally, he brought up, you know, how many locker rooms can sort of withstand not winning a game for over a month, especially that late in the season when you're expected to be a Super Bowl contender and right. the drag that that must be. And yeah, and, and 
And to his other point about Stafford, too, it wasn't like Stafford came out throwing interceptions in bundles of three and four in all the playoff games and down the stretch. Like, he kind of curbed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he have three against the Vikings? Yes. I think he, yeah, he was not good here. Yeah, he was not yeah. good. But um, that was great. Get him on again sometime and you know maybe do some deeper dives into some of this stuff. But And he knows who to call if he needs consulting advice. Okay. Listen, we're here every day. Yeah, I, I we, love that. We put just as much thought into this as he does. I might have to call you to now. use your five extra days five of knowledge. Too, okay? <laughs> yeah, how about that? Couple of five, yeah. couple of five a.m. You got good guys for you from guys. May 1985. I'm sleeping until seven thirty. You texted us about this interview at five fifteen in the morning. I'm yesterday. old, so I get up mm-hmm. and then I go back to sleep. That wasn't That's me right. being up. I literally saw the text. Like, I had to let Stella texting us at five because I had to let Stella out on a weekend. And then I had to get up as well. And so then I just go back to bed. Okay. So I'm not up at five o'clock. Okay. I'm not yeah, giving myself like, is he credit. Still up? Yeah. Is the no. summer of Surly no, really I, uh, still what's going on? I scroll through my phone to fall back asleep, and so that's, that's bad why. For you. That's what I've read. Why is that bad for you? It helps. Because you're staring at a screen. It's all day. stimulating yeah. your brain. It's it's it makes your eyes heavy. In the worst way. Yeah. yeah. And oh. I'm guilty of it too. I'm just saying. What am I supposed to do? Try a meditation. Mm-hmm. Try like a bedtime meditation. Counting sheep. It's not about anything. Counting it's about quieting your mind. 100 furious, 99 furious, 98 furious. Just count down. They are really fast asleep. bored. No, That's th- the no. point. You no. get bored and you fade out and you <laughs> wake up eight hours later. You know later. what? No. No, I enjoy scrolling <laughs> through my phone, watching some highlights, little TikTok. Although the TikTok playlist is was jammed in yes, my head this let's morning, talk about the and it was awful. Playlist. Anyway, I just want to thank uh, KOC for joining us. KOC, uh, yeah, and thanks to uh, to Surly also oh. for providing us this this glorious summer of Surly and to Federated Mutual Insurance Company for uh, for all the work they've done with business owners in and around the state of Minnesota and beyond, and uh, the forty four million dollars they have helped organize and raise for Big Brothers Big Sisters over the past seventeen years through the Federated Challenge. If you want to find out how you could potentially become a big and a mentor to a kid in need, uh, go to federatedchallenge.org and find out more information. All right, there you go. There's your little bonus episode with the Boom. head coach nice. of the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. This has been Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.